see so far that Moses and Aaron have followed God's commandment to go and speak to this hardened Pharaoh with a heart that seemed to become harder and harder just as the Lord predicted. God shows that he knows all things and he will speak to us so that we don't have to wonder or guess. We don't have to be afraid or doubt. He shows us every step what we need to do and he reveals also the next thing that's going to happen if we seek him. In Exodus chapter 8, we see this plague, a series of plagues continue. God demonstrated his mighty power, his wonders upon Egypt. Wonders that would rescue his people and these signs and wonders and miracles out of the ordinary events, something spectacular and beyond human reasoning, as we'll see. These frogs come up out of the river in such a multitude that they were found everywhere. The very instant that the man of God, Moses, pronounced it, You recall, God said, Moses, you're going to be like God to Pharaoh. Aaron, a prophet, your prophet. God took this man, Moses, who had seemingly lost everything, including his identity. He made him to such an elevated, it took him to such an elevated position that similar to other prophets, including Elijah, most notably. When he spoke, things happened. It's said of the prophet Samuel that as he grew in the Lord, none of these men power-hungry, none of these men seeking a name for themselves, but they were true servants of God. And if Moses is written, as we'll read soon, in the book of Exodus, that he was the meekest man on the face of the whole earth. Man who's humble. Said of Samuel the prophet that God let none of his words fall to the ground. Moses steps in to the palace again. He comes again to the palace. The plagues continue. In Exodus chapter 8, the plague of frogs, as well as the plague of lice, and plague of flies, become so burdensome and grievous. And Pharaoh finally says, Israel can go. And each time you see the devil not willing to let go until God 
begins to put the pressure and the human will there that's been devoted to serving Satan and becoming a vehicle of the devil becomes crushed by the power of Almighty God. This wicked resistance to God's will. And in the midst of the oppression that comes, which they deserve from Almighty God, because they've oppressed God's people, God turns it on them. They still won't let go, but they continue to do the mischief. They continue to impose conditions instead of total surrender to God's power, God's commandment. And so the Pharaoh would come and make conditions, <clears throat> place conditions. I'll let you worship, but you have to do it here. I'm not going to let you go out of Israel, out of Egypt. And then only the men can go, and so forth. And every time God has to say, you don't dictate to me what I tell you to do. Exodus chapter 8. In, recall, seven days passed. Once the Lord struck the Nile in chapter 7. They couldn't drink any water. Everything turned to blood. And these Egyptian magicians... They also turn some water into blood. The enemy is caught in his own craftiness and put to shame. Later on we'll see the kings of Israel, kings of Judah, in certain situations. The enemies are turned amongst themselves. And they're fighting each other. And God watches and scorns and scoffs at them. Who can ever stand against Almighty God? Pharaoh thought he could. He said, who is the Lord? I don't know any God of Israel. You people are idle. And he increased the pressure, the trouble upon the children of Israel. God begins to demonstrate in the very land of Egypt that he's the God of the skies, God of the land, God of their famed, idolized Nile River. God completely demolished all of their confidence in the demonic forces and their idolatry, as it says in Romans 1. They turned the glory of the Almighty God, the incorruptible God, into corruptible beasts. And this is what they did. God came as Yahweh to demonstrate I am that I am. Exodus chapter 8 verse 1 Then the Lord said to Moses, Go to Pharaoh and say to him, This is what the Lord says. Let my people go so that they may worship me. If you refuse to let them go, I will send a plague of frogs on your whole country. Some people like frogs. Some people like to keep frogs as pets. Some people like to eat frogs. 
But the frogs were everywhere. The plague of frogs came on the whole country. Some people may like chickens. They may like beef. They like to eat different things. But if you have livestock in your bedroom, livestock in your dining room, livestock crowding your doorway, in your vehicle, much as I can fit there, everywhere. It's a plague. That livestock and that food that they like to eat has taken over these creatures. The Nile will teem with frogs. They will come up into your palace and your bedroom and onto your bed, into the houses of your officials and on your people and into your ovens and kneading troughs. Frogs will come upon you and your people and all your officials. And the Lord said to Moses, Tell Aaron, stretch out your hand with your staff over the streams and canals and ponds and make frogs come up on the land of Egypt. These grivet noises were no longer funny, no longer tickling their curiosity or their children's curiosity. Right there. We have to stop and think of what it meant as we often can read these things and hear them in Sunday school or in church or hear them hear about them in other stories and references to the Bible. And even when we read the narrative of Scripture right here, unless we imagine where you are sitting right now, where I'm sitting right now, it may be in your bedroom, it may be in your study room or office room, it may be in your kitchen, that you're listening to this call or listening to the recording later, maybe in your vehicle, imagine one frog all of a sudden on your dashboard. Most people become startled. Perhaps those who like to keep frogs or they like to grow frogs, maybe they'll not be so startled. Maybe there are certain people who say, how cute. How did you get on my dashboard, little fellow? And the frog jumps. They're able to catch that frog and still drive with one hand. To understand the impact of this plague. But then they see ten frogs on the dashboard. They're jumping and leaping everywhere. Frog on the head, frog in the shirt pocket, frog in the pocketbook, frog next to the seat. All the seats filled. They look outside. Instead of seeing the traffic cop, they see frogs. Go to the supermarket. Frogs everywhere. They're leaping. They're not neatly packed. Frogs everywhere. So Aaron stretched out his hand over the waters of Egypt. And the frogs came up and covered the land. This is a plague. The frogs covered the land. You can't take a step without stepping on a frog. 
But the magicians did the same things by their secret arts. They also made frogs come up on the land of Egypt. The folly of human beings who give themselves to magic and sorcery, the secret arts, quote-unquote. There's a fascination with witchcraft and wizardry and sorcery because of the power factor. That's how the enemy seduces and draws many people. He promises power. But with that power, there's a price to pay. He will take the soul and utterly devastate that person. As they serve him more and more. That's the devil. These people are so steeped into the service of Satan, into these magic arts, that they thought, look, we have power too. But it turned out to their own undoing. They were able to duplicate in a small, tiny measure turning water into blood. In Exodus chapter 7, verse 22. Even that little bit of water that was not yet struck by the plague. And they said, look, we'll beat you to it, Moses and Aaron. And who ended up losing? They did. They didn't have any water that they can drink. The folly of serving the devil and challenging God. And here, frogs were everywhere in the small space to which the plague didn't yet affect. They said, look, we can bring frogs too. They added to the problem. And Pharaoh's heart got even more harder. Verse 8, Exodus 8, verse 8, Then Pharaoh summoned Moses and Aaron and begged, Plead with the Lord to take the frogs away from me and my people. What happened? The frogs came into the land, covered the land, went into the bedroom. They entered every house of the officials and the people. They jumped into their ovens in the kneading bowls. They couldn't cook. They couldn't do anything. Frogs were jumping everywhere. And they came up out of the water. Pharaoh began to beg. He said, ask the Lord, plead with him to take these frogs away from me and my people. I will let your people go so they can offer sacrifices to the Lord. He clearly began to see that he's dealing with God, but he still wanted to fight God. Absolutely deluded and foolish, just like Satan his master, Pharaoh's master, and the Egyptian magician's master, who said, I will ascend to the throne of the Most High. I will. Essentially, he said, take God's place. God hurled him down in fire upon the earth. It's written in Ezekiel and Isaiah. Moses said, you want me to plead 
with the Lord to take away the frogs, you tell me when. I'll give you the honor. Tell me what when you want me to pray for you, your fishes and your people. Clearly showing that he's acting in the place of God, Moses was, by God's own permission and commission. And Pharaoh would know. He's dealing with the God of the Hebrews, who is the living God. And Moses was his spokesperson and would function as God that he can set the time and even give the latitude for Pharaoh to say, tell me what time and I'll do it. Tell me when you want me to pray for you, your officials and your people. Then you and your houses will be rid of the frogs. This horrible thing that's happening. It's driving everyone mad. Frogs everywhere. On the tables, on the chairs, on the floor. The water pots. And he says, just as I brought this plague upon you by the word of the Lord, by the power he's given me, Moses said, I will get rid of them. What's interesting is, Pharaoh came back. He didn't say do it right now. He said do it tomorrow. He thought he was still in control and that pride and the foolishness just dug him deeper into his trouble and brought more sorrow to his people. You'd think with such a play, he'll say, this instant, please, do it tomorrow. All right, Moses replied, it will be as you said. Then you will know that there is no one like the Lord our God. Not one second before or one second after will it happen except at my word. Just like the prophet later on who withheld rain from heaven and then released that rain. He said, at my word, it's going to happen. The frogs will leave you and your houses, your officials and your people. They will remain only in the Nile River. So Moses and Aaron left Pharaoh's palace and Moses cried out to the Lord about the frogs he had inflicted on Pharaoh. The Lord did just what Moses had predicted. Frogs in the houses, the courtyards and the fields all died. Now they had the cleanup work. The Egyptians piled them into great heaps. Imagine millions of frogs, millions And a terrible stench filled the land. Now, so far, we don't find particularly the condition of the Israelites while this was going on. God is so faithful. They were surely protected as we'll see. God is not unjust. They saw, they lived in the land, but God kept them. You don't see any Israelite crying out to the Lord. You don't see any of the officers of the Israelites coming to Moses and saying, please tell the Lord to stop the frogs because they're bothering us too. It was only the Egyptians. And we'll see very clearly how God makes a difference. That's exactly what he says. 
I'll make a difference. Believe, and I will make a difference. This chapter, among other things, with these frogs and with these uh, lice and flies, three plagues in this chapter, amounting to four total now. The blood in chapter 7, water becoming blood. The plague of frogs, lice and flies. Believe, and God will make a difference. God will protect you, no matter what happens to this wicked world. We'll see this unfold more and more. But in this chapter, we'll see how God makes a difference. Believe, and God will make a difference and bless you. While the curse comes on, the proud and disobedient. Believe and God will bless you and make a difference in your life from the way the people of this world suffer under the punishment that comes to them because of their pride and rebellion. Believe, and the Lord will bless you and make a difference in your life compared to the lives of those who do not worship Him. One plague should have been enough for Pharaoh to surrender, fall on his face before Moses and Aaron, before the Lord, and say, there's no water. We've never seen anything like this. Blood everywhere. Blood everywhere. His heart became hardened. God sent Moses again. Frogs everywhere. He should have said, it's enough. It really shows how the human heart can be transformed into a satanic heart where no matter how much grace is shown the resistance to God's mercy in sparing one's life continues and God has to continue to turn up the heat for some people they repent only when it becomes so difficult that they wake up, they come to their senses, they realize I'm fighting the living God, I must be the worst fool on the planet. No, I'm still breathing, I'm going to surrender to Him. There are those who will curse God even to the dying breath, how horrible. We see that, even in this Pharaoh, and we'll see that regarding the multitude that will be on the earth, on this planet, before the return of the Lord. You see in the book of Revelation. While these huge hailstones are falling on them, they curse God. They die cursing God. Where will they go? To the lowest hell. Burn there forever. 
because they're so wicked. No matter what God shows, how much grace, how much time He gives, how many warnings He gives, they say, I will resist God and do my own thing. I will be God, just like Satan said. I will be God. And that's exactly what happens, this folly. But if we believe the Lord, God will bless us and make a difference in our lives from the world that's facing the punishment and wrath of Almighty God because of their pride and rebellion. God doesn't afflict willingly. He doesn't afflict anyone just to afflict them. He tries his best. He does everything he can because he has no pleasure in the death of the wicked. He warns them, but people refuse to listen and he has to act because he's a just God. He's a responsible God. He will not allow sin and evil to continue in the universe or on his planet, Earth. These people gathered these frogs, piled them into great heaps. The terrible smell filled the land. Have you ever smelled something rotten? Multiply that hundreds of thousands of times. Such a stink. Imagine, could they have done this job in just a couple of hours? It's unlikely. So many millions of dead frogs everywhere. God could have made them all jump back into the river, but he allowed them to see the consequence of foolish rebellion against the Holy God. It becomes messy, becomes disgusting, and hopefully they'll remember, not Pharaoh. As soon as he got that relief, he forgot. And he began to challenge God again. How wicked. How wicked to see people in the family, people among friends and colleagues, neighbors, resist God's grace, play God, laugh at your devotion to God. And we remember when we didn't know the Lord and we resisted the Lord. And we didn't want to read the Bible as much or pray as much because we had other things to do. We ourselves remember times when we played religion and played Christian, even a Pentecostal Christian. But in the heart of hearts, other worries, other concerns. You see that stubbornness. Even when we're told that we should read and pray more, there's a resistance. Instead of humbling ourselves, but this can multiply to the point where one can become like Pharaoh, become oppressive and wicked, and so hardened that as soon as the relief comes, go back to the old way. Verse 15, but when Pharaoh saw that relief had come, he became stubborn. He refused to listen to Moses and Aaron, just as the Lord had predicted. So the Lord said to Moses, tell Aaron, raise your staff and strike the ground. The dust will turn into swarms of gnats throughout the land of Egypt. You see in the New King James Version, it says that it will become lice. Lice or gnats. I'd like somebody to pick up from here in Exodus chapter 8 and verse 16. And uh, would you please read in the New King James Version. 
down to verse 31 slowly and loud enough and clearly. Praise God, Pastor. Is my voice audible? Yes, Prashant, I can hear you. Thank you. Exodus 8, verse Praise. 15. Praise the Lord. Yes, Prashant. I couldn't answer you, Prashant, right there, but uh, I hear you clearly. Praise God. Please go ahead. Praise God. So the Lord said to Moses, Say to Aaron, Stretch out your rod and strike the dust of the land so that it may become life throughout all the land of Egypt. And they did so. For Aaron stretched out his hand with his rod and struck the dust of the earth, and it became life on man and beast. All the dust of the land became life throughout all the land of Egypt. Now the magicians so worked with their enchantments to bring forth life, but they could not. So there were life on man and beast. Then the magicians said to Pharaoh, this is the finger of God. But Pharaoh's heart grew hard, and he did not heed them, just as the Lord had said. And the Lord said to Moses, Rise early in the morning and stand before Pharaoh as he comes out to the water. Then say to him, Thus says the Lord, Let my people go, that they may serve me. Or else, if you will not let my people go, behold, I will send swamps of flies on you and your servants, on your people and into your houses. The houses of the Egyptians shall be full of swarms of flies, and also the ground on which they stand. And in that day, I will set apart the land of Goshen, in which my people dwell, that no swarms of flies shall be there, in order that you may know that I am the Lord in the midst of the land. I will make a difference between my people and your people. Tomorrow this sign shall be. And the Lord did so. Thick swamps of flies came into the house of Pharaoh, into his servants' houses, and into all the land of Egypt. The land was corrupted because of swamps of flies. Then Pharaoh called for Moses and Aaron and said, Go, sacrifice to your God in the land. And Moses said, It is not right to do so, for we would be sacrificing the abomination of the Egyptians to the Lord of our God. If we sacrifice the abomination of the Egyptians before their eyes, then will they not stone us? We will go three days' journey into the wilderness and sacrifice to the Lord our God as he will command us. 
So Pharaoh said, I will let you go that you may sacrifice to the Lord your God in the wilderness. Only you shall not go very far away. Intercede for me. Then Moses said, Indeed, I am going out from you, and I will entreat the Lord that the swarm, swarms of flies may depart tomorrow from Pharaoh, from his servants, and from his people. But let Pharaoh not deal deceitfully anymore in not letting the people go to sacrifice to the Lord. So Moses went out from Pharaoh and entreated the Lord, and the Lord did according to the word of Moses. He removed the swarms of flies from Pharaoh, from his servants, and from his people. Not one remained. But Pharaoh hardened his heart at this time also. Neither would he let the people go. Praise God. Glory be to God. Have we ever heard of any God in any religion, any so-called sacred book, deal so specifically, so methodically, so mercifully that he still allowed time for Pharaoh to repent. You see the progressive hand of God in his judgments. He's a very gracious God who does not act capriciously. He doesn't do things just because he's in a different mood. He does things very deliberately out of wisdom and truth and love. Someone says, how does God show love by destroying the Egyptians and Pharaoh systematically. He showed love in that he didn't do it immediately, even though they deserved it. They resisted God. They resisted what their conscience told them, what creation told them. And they corrupted the image of the invisible God, the glorious God. They did it for hundreds of years. God is patient. How long would you stand for someone in your office if you're the boss who you know is working against you, who's slandering you everywhere? You're the boss. And every time you find a note, you find a conversation recorded, you find gossip all about how bad you are, even though you're so good to them. How long will you stand for that? Then again, you see a faction, a group, and people multiplied speaking ill of you when you're doing good for them. You have the power to make their lives miserable, but you do the best for them because you love. You're gracious. Would you stand for it for one day on a Tuesday? And you think, you know, by next week they really should learn their lesson. They should know who's boss here and that you don't do this, especially to a good boss. And the whole year they're doing the same thing, no matter how gracious you are. God watched this for centuries and centuries. Time had come. The cup had filled. In our lives, we can be sure, just like the children of Israel were groaning, there's a time in which the enemy's oppression will be crushed by our God and we can count on him because he's a faithful God to his people. His love is demonstrated not only in his patience to the evil people, but in his great burden that he shares. He's burdened when we are burdened. That's how loving our God is. He's not simply there getting reports like some people who are supposed to be in certain ministry offices in the political realm, not religious, but they're called ministers of this department or that department. 
secretary of this. You know how they behave? They have a nice, plush office. They have everything available to them, and they sit as if they're gods, and there's no feeling in their hearts as to what report comes to their desk that we need to act immediately because these people are suffering. This has come upon these people. And what they do is with a stroke of a pen, with a press of the finger, with no heart behind it, almost in a robotic fashion, in a condescending fashion and motion. They take their own sweet time, no matter how desperate the condition is for the people. God is not like that. Thank God our God is a God of love. He is afflicted with all the afflictions of His people. His love is shown in that He watches over His people even in the midst of the fire, midst of the trial. And He says, I will act. I am that I am. Yahweh is personally involved in that situation. These men tried to duplicate these sorcerers. What they did with the blood and frogs. But here, they could not. God was showing. The show has come to an end. As foolish as they were in trying to duplicate the plagues, they were only bringing more harm to themselves and the people. They just suffered under the blood and under the lack of drinking water, water for anything, under these frogs. And when these lice and gnats came, we think about, again, one bug. Some of us are more sensitive than others. We don't like even one bug to fly around where we are seated or working or having our leisure time. Not even one bug. We think to get rid of that bug, let it out the window or kill it. What do you do with millions of them? Millions. Is that enough? Is that not enough? To say no more. We will not resist this God. He is almighty. He's the God of the sky, the God of the plain, the God of the mountain, the God of the waters, the God of everywhere. He's a true God. We don't need one God called the sun God. As the Egyptians had a certain God that they would equate with the sunrise and sunset. They said that that God is taking an excursion. He's taking a ride. From the rising of the sun, he goes across the sky and then he retires and that's when sunset happens. All these made up stories Instead of understanding God is not divided into a multiplicity of gods where each is in charge of a certain part of nature, God says, I'm over everything. One God. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. One Lord. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart with all your soul, with all your strength. Deuteronomy 6, 4 and 5. This is the living God. The magicians so worked with their sorceries to bring forth lice. Exodus chapter 8 and verse 18. But they could not. So there were lice on man and beast. These lice were not just flying around. They are on the skin 
of the people and the animals. Then the magician said to Pharaoh, this is the finger of God. Imagine your pet, if you have a pet, or your neighbor's pet. The complaint comes, the animal is, is full of life, full of these gnats, full of these creatures that are troublesome. What do you do? Many people will try to solve the problem right there. They feel for that animal. Or they take the animal to the vet. It's beyond the over-the-counter remedy. Something's going on. But what do you do when every animal you see on the street, and every pet, every livestock, everything that's going to be food and on yourself and your family members, imagine everybody with lice on them. What a devastating situation. The magicians turned to Pharaoh and said, this is the finger of God. This is God. We can't do anything about it. We can't even duplicate what he did here. But Pharaoh's heart grew hard. Even though their demonic idols that they worshipped seemed to promise power, they saw. This is where their power stops. Abruptly cut short. Pharaoh's heart grew hard. And he didn't listen to his magicians. Just as the Lord had said. He didn't listen to anyone. And the fourth plague comes. And the Lord said to Moses, Rise early in the morning and stand before Pharaoh as he comes out to the water. God doesn't let go. Once God begins to act, when somebody's arrogant and foolish and wicked and disobedient, begins to harm his people, God catches them and corners them. That's what he does. Why? Because he's a God of justice. He's a God of love who loves his people. Be patient and wait on the Lord. Be of good courage. Strengthen your heart. God will come through. He will come through. He will come through. He will come through with every affliction of the devil and every oppression, every trouble that the devil sets up people to give us trouble. God said, I will act. We had a situation where we had a former neighbor who would deliberately throw broken bulbs on our property and different garbage. And he didn't care if we knew it. We had our children who were very little at that time playing in our own yard. And he would routinely do this. We'd be wondering, where are these broken bulbs coming from? We find out from the other neighbor, that man gets these supplies where he works and the trash he deliberately throws over here. He was looking for trouble. And while we were set, I was set to call the town to investigate this, to deal with it in an official manner so we don't have any unnecessary feud over here. It gets out of control. As we're praying one day in family prayer, burdened with this, and burdened with the fact that he would let his huge dog run right up to our porch frighten our little ones at that time he had no restraint he walk around arrogantly a man some 50 55 years old with no shirt on smoking and just arrogant looking for trouble when we're praying the Lord clearly spoke. He said, I'll take care of the situation. And we 
did not call the people to come. We actually placed a voice message, I believe, with the town and then we left it alone because the Lord said, leave it alone. Even though it was grievous, there's no reasoning here. The next thing we know, the whole family vacated. God just removed them. But before that, we found the man, you know where? We found him at a senior home, in a home for the invalids, where we were ministering with our children. One day we saw him, not as a patient, but he came to visit his mother-in-law, who was so blessed by the ministry that she sang the praises of us, and he was waiting that day as he visited, and who would come but us? He was put to shame. This is what the Lord will do. He will stop the oppression of people and evil spirits and the devil himself and put him to shame if we look to the Lord and wait for him. God waited patiently. His people were called to wait upon him patiently. When is this Pharaoh going to stop? How many more plagues will it take? God says he will stop. Look to me and trust me. Oh God, when will this situation stop, this trial? Oh my father, it's getting so so difficult. Enemies shouting impossible in our faces. It takes a moment for the Lord, as we say often, less, less than a fraction of a second. Less than a fraction of one heartbeat to stop the enemy. And God does act. The Lord said to Moses, rise early in the morning and intercept this guy as we come to the water. He thinks things are back to normal overnight. He can continue. Moses, go right to him when he goes to wash and say to him, thus says the Lord, let my people go that they may serve me. Or else, if you will not let my people go, behold, I will send swarms of flies on you and your servants, on your people and into your houses. The houses of the Egyptians shall be full of swarms of flies and also the ground on which they stand. Now one thing left, now you have flies that come and do what? Destroy the land. They corrupt the land. There's a further devastation. Verse 22, And that day I will set apart the land of Goshen in which my people dwell, that no swarms of flies shall be there, in order that you may know that I am the Lord in the midst of the land. We can be sure that whatever plague came, the children of Israel were, were not groaning under it. Otherwise, they would have called also, just like Pharaoh, the people of Egypt. Please tell the Lord to stop. We find no, com no, no information about that because they didn't suffer. But here, God emphatically states, I'm going to show the difference. This chapter, God emphatically shows the difference between His people and the devil's people. The people of this world. He says, in the land where my people dwell, no swarms of flies shall be there in order that you may know that I am the Lord in the midst of the land. I will make, I will make, 
I will make a difference between my people and your people. Tomorrow, this sign shall be. I would imagine Pharaoh continuing with his routine, untouched by this. But God's time comes. He doesn't care who's untouched by what. When he acts, they'll be touched. And the Lord did so. Thick swarms of flies came into the house of Pharaoh, into his servants' houses, and into all the land of Egypt. The land was corrupted because of the swarms of flies. Then Pharaoh called for Moses and Aaron and said, Go, sacrifice to your God in the land. And Moses said, It is not right to do so. God said, You let my people go away from the land. He said, No, do whatever you have to do, but stay here. Moses said, The Egyptians won't like what we're going to do. They won't approve of our sacrifices. Moses said, it is not right to do so, for we would be sacrificing the abomination of the Egyptians to the Lord our God. If we sacrifice the abomination of the Egyptians before their eyes, then they will stone us. Will they not stone us? We will go three days' journey into the wilderness and sacrifice to the Lord our God, as he will command us. So Pharaoh said, I will let you go, that you may sacrifice to the Lord your God in the wilderness. Only you shall not go very far, from, far away. Intercede for me. Then Moses said, Indeed, I am going out from you, and I will entreat the Lord that the swarms of flies may depart tomorrow from Pharaoh, from his servants, and from his people. And again, we think about the flies, how we can chase a fly in the kitchen. You prepared the food, you spent all the time, and you can't wait to partake of it. All the dishes, the table, everything's set, and here's a lone fly buzzing around. And it seems to outwit every human being that tries to kill it. We know that corruptible fly, or the fly full of germs, from alighting everywhere, landing everywhere. You can't afford to have that fly land on the food. Now, if you have five flies buzzing everywhere, crisscrossing, more skillfully than an air show, by some military servicemen, you have hundreds of them. How about thousands of flies in the home? Unbelievable. Not the fact that God did it, but the hardness, because it says, but let Pharaoh not deal deceitfully anymore. Moses said, don't you lie anymore in saying that you're going to let us go and change your mind about us going to sacrifice to the Lord. He warned him, don't play games anymore. So Moses went out from Pharaoh and entreated the Lord. And the Lord did according to the word of Moses. No wonder God said, you're going to be like God to Pharaoh. Why? Because when Moses speaks, it happens. When he speaks again, it stops happening. Such power God gave to Moses. It was God doing it. But Moses had the honor. See what God did for man who felt like he couldn't even speak right. Oh, God. Every single brother, every single sister, every single one of us are called to demonstrate the very character and power of God to our generation. Notice, not just the character as far as charitable deeds and a good heart, 
That's the foundation. The fruit of the Spirit must be found in our lives and we must cultivate it. We must seek after that very fruit to be present in our lives. And we need to diligently add to faith virtue and to virtue knowledge and to knowledge temperance and patience and godliness, brotherly kindness and love. We have to actively, diligently add these things. We have to seek out love, peace, joy and all of those things. God says, you can know what kind of tree you are. You can know whether you're productive in my kingdom. You have to have this heart of love, yes, but also the power of the Holy Spirit to be able to pray and get results, to be able to help people out of their predicament. Otherwise, the God we serve is no better than the so-called gods they serve. Whether a person serves another religious God or themselves, or fate and chance and destiny. There has to be a difference. The power of God. We must seek that. Say, Lord, I'm not power hungry to make my name famous, but I want to demonstrate to the world that you are alive, and God will surely do it. As we come closer to Him, He will use our lives to put to shame Satan and all of His people. He will use our lives to expose the lies of the devil. And the Lord did according to the word of Moses. He removed the swarms of flies from Pharaoh, from his servants and from his people. Not one remained. But Pharaoh hardened his heart at this time also. Can you see your family members? Some people who have been told the gospel over and over and over again, they've seen that only God rescued me from the situation. But they refuse to surrender. Come out of the hospital, back into their normal clothing, back into their normal routine. Not only forget about the God that showed mercy in their life when others have gone, but they defy God by their attitudes, by their choices, by their disregard, and even blasphemy against God. Who is God? Like Pharaoh said. Who is the Lord God? I don't know him. It said that the time of this pharaoh, the priests were so powerful that certain pharaohs went and sought out a portion of Egypt where the priests did not invoke their gods or assign to their gods so that they can be God. Pharaoh can be God. And that was the whole problem. A person saying, me, myself, and I, make up the holy trinity of self. Utterly blasphemous and defiant. How does it manifest? When people don't care what God says. I don't care what God says. I don't care. I don't care what you say that God says in His Word. I don't care about the Word of God. I don't need anything. I'm my own God. I can do what I want. Look, I don't need God to go to the supermarket and buy food. Have you ever heard people say that or allude to that? kind of defiant, blasphemous attitude. Christianity is a crutch, they say, until disaster strikes and God shows who's in control. But Pharaoh hardened his heart at this time also. Neither would he let the people go. He's just 
storing up more and more wrath. He's adding to his credit line with God, not for good, but for bad. More missiles aimed at his head. He's building it up. Chapter 9, Then the Lord said to Moses, Go into Pharaoh and tell him, Thus says the Lord God of the Hebrews, Let my people go, that they may serve me. The fifth plague comes over here in chapter 9. The sixth plague, the seventh plague. How many plagues will it take? Already it's so disastrous to have no drinking water because blood is everywhere. To have frogs everywhere. To have lice, swarms of flies. Devastating the land. People are groaning. They're beginning to tell Pharaoh, this is enough. He's saying, no. I'm going to win this battle against God. How foolish. Would someone please read in a clear, loud enough and very slowly, loud enough voice, chapter 9 for us as we listen to the word of God. The plagues continue. We're going to see God show his supremacy once and for all. It's leading up to it. And what happens to the people of God? Gloriously delivered. Marvelously protected. Blessed beyond measure. They literally go out with treasure from the house of slavery. It's the mirror that we can look into regarding our own lives. God will spoil the enemy. He will make him pay. And we will come out with blessings upon blessings. That's a promise. God demonstrates it here. They groaned for 430 years. God said, I've been watching. But the time, the set time has come. The time has come. I will bless you. You will defeat all your enemies, Israel. Keep covenant with me. Only remember the commandments of the Lord to do them. Everything will be fine. No wonder true preaching always emphasizes obedience. But false preaching gives a sense of empowerment. Gives a sense of entitlement. Basically, you can do what you want to do and tack on Jesus as a safety net. The Bible says, you shall fear the Lord your God, love the Lord your God. How? With all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. The New Testament, we see also the repetition of this commandment to include the mind in other words, whether it's in Hebrew or Greek, in the Old Testament or the New Testament, the total person in love with Jesus. That word love, Ahab, is, is affection. Affection. I, I love the Lord. Not because I have to, because I'm attracted to Him. He's my everything. He's so faithful. He's so good. Even when I wasn't faithful, God remained faithful to who He is. And His grace was available instead of shutting me out because of disobedience and foolish pride. He forgave me when I came to Him and repented. He remained faithful to who He is. And He will be faithful to people who are faithful to Him until the very end. People who are faithless, they can never claim and twist God's Word as many people do. Quoting from the New Testament, that even when we're unfaithful, he remains faithful for he cannot deny himself. That's talking about God's character. He cannot change his own character. He's perfect. He will not. 
He is a faithful God. It's impossible for him to lie or to sin or tempt anyone with evil or to be tempted with evil. This faithfulness to his character, that's what that verse is talking about. Not that no matter how unfaithful we are, he'll always be faithful to us. No. God says clearly, the prophet came out to Asa in the height of his military victories and his prosperity and said, Hear, O Asa, king of Judah, the Lord is with you while you are with him. And we see that all over the New Testament also. If you deny him, he'll also deny you. If we disobey him, Jesus said, you won't come into the kingdom of heaven. You have to keep covenant. You have to be faithful to him if you're going to make it. It's not hard. No one in a marriage will say to the wife or to the husband, you better be faithful, you better be faithful, you got to be faithful. Unless there's no love there, there's no real relationship. But if there's a real relationship, there'll be love and there'll be, there'll be that faithfulness. It's a delight, not a burden. Someone please read Exodus chapter 9. Praise the Lord. Yes, you can read. Exodus chapter 9. Then the Lord said to Moses, Go into Pharaoh and tell him, Thus says the Lord, God of the Hebrews, Let my people go, that they may serve me. For if you refuse to let them go, and still hold them, Behold, the hand of the Lord will be on your cattle in the field, on the horses, on the donkeys, on the camels, on the oxen, and on the sheep. A very severe pestilence. And the Lord will make a difference between the livestock of Israel and the livestock of Egypt. So nothing shall die of all that belongs to the children of Israel. Then the Lord appointed a set time, saying, Tomorrow the Lord will do these things in the land. So the Lord did this thing on the next day, and all the livestock of Egypt died. But of the livestock of the children of Israel, no one died. Then Pharaoh sent, and indeed not even one of the livestock of the Israelites was dead, But the heart of Pharaoh became hard, and he did not let the people go. So the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, Take for yourselves handfuls of ashes from a furnace, and let Moses scatter it toward the heavens in the sight of Pharaoh. And it will become fine dust in all the land of Egypt, and it will cause boils that break out in sores on men and beasts throughout all the land of Egypt. Then they took ashes from the furnace and stood before Pharaoh, and Moses scattered them toward heaven, and they caused boils that break out in sores on men and beasts. And the magicians could not stand before Moses because of the boils. 
four, the boils were on the magicians and, and on all the Egyptians. But the Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, and he did not heed them, just as the Lord had spoken to Moses. Then the Lord said to Moses, Rise early in the morning and stand before Pharaoh and say to him, Thus says the Lord, God of the Hebrews, Let my people go, that they may serve me. For at this time I will send all my plagues to your very heart and on your servants and and on your people that you may know that there is none like me in all the earth. Now, if I had stretched out my hand and struck you and your people with pestilence, then you would have been cut off from the earth. But indeed, for this purpose, I have raised you up, that I may show my power in you, and that my name may be declared in all the earth. As, you, as yet you exalt yourself against my people in that you will not let them go. Behold, tomorrow, about this time, I will cause very heavy hell to rain down, such as has not been in Egypt since its founding until now. Therefore, send now and gather your livestock and all that you have in the field, for the hail shall come down on every man and every animal which is found in the field and is not brought home, and they shall die. He who feared the word of the Lord among the servants of Pharaoh made his servants and his livestock flee to the houses. But he who did not regard the word of the Lord left his servants and his livestock in the field. Then the Lord said to Moses, Stretch out your hand toward heaven, that there may be hell in the land of Egypt, on men, on beasts, and on every herb of the field throughout the land of Egypt. And Moses stretched out his rod toward heaven, and the Lord sent thunder and hell. And fire darted to the ground, and the Lord rained hell on the land of Egypt. So there was hell, and fire mingled with the hell, so very heavy that there was none like it in all the land of Egypt since it became a nation. And the hell struck throughout the whole land of Egypt, all that was in the field, both men and beasts, and the hills struck every herb on the field and broke every tree of the field. Only in the land of Goshen, where the children of Israel were, there was no hill. And Pharaoh sent and called for Moses and Aaron and said to them, I have sinned this time. The Lord is righteous, and my people and I are wicked. Entreat the Lord that there may be no more mighty thundering and hill, for it is enough. I will let you go, and you shall stay no longer. So Moses said to him, As soon as I have gone out of the city, I will spread out my hands to the Lord. The thunder will cease, and 
will be no more hill that you may know that the earth is the Lord's. But as for you and your servants, I know that you will not yet fear the Lord God. Now the flax and the barley were struck, for the barley was in the head and the flax was in bud. But the wheat and the spelt were not struck, for they are late crops. So Moses went out of the city from Pharaoh and spread out his hand to the Lord. Then the thunder and the hail ceased, and the rain was not poured on the earth. And and when Pharaoh saw that the rain, the hail, and the thunder had ceased, he sinned yet more, and he hardened his heart, he and his servants. So the heart of Pharaoh was hard. Neither would he let the children of Israel go, as the Lord had spoken by Moses. Amen. Amen. We see the majesty of Almighty God. The awesomeness of God and His power. Again, we have to read the Word of God and feel every verse, feel everything that is happening as best as we could. This plague, this fifth plague, the disease in the livestock, livestock dying. God is just cutting off things, the supplies. Why? Because he's so wicked, this Pharaoh. God keeps giving him more chances, but he keeps getting even more rebellious against God. And the oppression doesn't cease. God says in verse 4, And the Lord will make a difference between the livestock of Israel and the livestock of Egypt. So nothing shall die of all that belongs to the children of Israel. In this chapter we see more plagues. We see God still making a difference. He's making a difference. Again in chapter 9, believing God, believing the Lord makes a difference. The enemies are plagued, but God's obedient people are protected and prosperous. This is the promise of God. If we fear the Lord our God, if we obey His voice, we will be protected and prosperous while our enemies are plagued. God will. Prepare a table before us in the presence of our enemies. And He will anoint our head with oil. Our cups will overflow. The enemy will see it. The enemy will see the difference because God is in control. God is faithful. To see livestock dying. This is their food source. And it wasn't enough. The Lord said, I'm giving an opportunity. And if you haven't highlighted Verses 20 and 21 and 25. It would be good to do that. Exodus 9, 20 and 21 and 25. 
It says, He who feared the word of the Lord among the servants of Pharaoh made his servants and his livestock flee to the houses. Why? Because God says, anything that's not kept indoors, brought home, shall die. They had seen four plagues already. I should say they had seen six plagues already. And they've understood that every time this man of God speaks, it happens. Livestock, diseased, dying, the boils coming upon the people, now the hail. God says, I'm going to place a condition. Again, we see mercy in the midst of judgment. Why should God even give that option? He's showing even among the enemies, if one fears the Lord and surrenders and repents, God is so good, He will forgive. There were people in Egypt who feared the word of the Lord among the servants of Pharaoh who obeyed. It was a question of obedience. Because they obeyed, they lived. In Ezekiel 3, 18, in all of the scriptures you see, obedience equals life. This day I've set before you, God says through the same Moses in Deuteronomy, blessing and cursing, or blessings and curses, life and death, you choose. If you obey, you will live. If you disobey, you will die. And it's exactly shown here because God is not partial. Anyone who fears Him, as the Apostle Peter said regarding Cornelius, in every nation, that person is accepted with God. God will show them. He will lead them to the salvation found only in His Son. He who feared the word of the Lord among the Egyptians, among the servants of Pharaoh, as Exodus 9.20 made his servants and his livestock to flee to the houses. They feared. They said, we better act while there's still time. God has spoken through this Moses. We've seen things happen. Have you ever seen people resist the word of the Lord and resist the servant of the Lord? When God speaks clearly, there's a pride, there's a disturbance, there's a resistance. What happens? The people suffer. When there's a humility that we're dealing with God, not just a person, a human being, God is speaking, I better listen. We'll be protected and prosperous. But he who did not regard the word of the Lord left his servants and his livestock in the field. I'll do what I want. Can't tell me what to do. Can never have that attitude before Almighty God. And the Lord said to Moses, Stretch out your hand toward heaven, that there may be hail in all the land of Egypt, on man, on beast, and on every herb of the field throughout the land of Egypt and Moses stretched out his rod toward heaven and the Lord sent thunder and hail and fire darted to the ground. Have we ever seen that? Some translations say lightning but still it's deadly. Lightning carries so many volts of electricity. They say a certain amount of lightning that is normal certain situations can light up the electricity 
that's derived from that lightning can light up our major cities has such power with the thunder just the noise of it imagine constant rumbling and it's not going to be a soft rumbling it's a judgment people are running trying to cover their ears looking for cover with the thunder stones are falling from the sky along with it fire this is disaster this is judgment the whole land is going to get wiped out before that the boils one bump comes on the skin and we can become very concerned now all over the body upon both man and beast source how horrible this is the effect of sin this is the effect of defying god god says if i had stretched out my hand and struck you and your people with pestilence you would have been destroyed altogether but i'm raising you up you want to resist me more and more i'm setting you up for a bigger fall i'm going to show my power on you god cannot be messed with he's the almighty god and he's the god who is a god of life and god of love and to defy him means death it's a default by default is automatic because he's light everything apart from god has to be darkness it is when there's no light of god in our lives there'll be darkness when there's no obedience to god's life-giving commandments there'll be death there'll be decay dissatisfaction all of a sudden the marriage seems to be sour we wonder why did i ever get married and why did i ever have children why did i ever have this job why did i ever move over here why did i ever everything becomes a why 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 have you seen people like that no matter what they have there's a dissatisfaction you know why there's no connection with god they may be christians nominally by name only they may go through the motions there's no life because they don't love the lord with all their heart mind soul and strength they don't keep covenant they're not faithful to god they don't care about god so they live a life as an empty shell with no substance what a waste of life and yet god says you're valuable to me you don't have to live like that because i love you i made you in my image i want to do what protect you from the plagues that will come upon the wicked turn to me and i will satisfy you and prosper you that everything you do if you meditate on my law if you delight yourself in my word you'll be like a tree planted by the rivers fully productive fully fruitful everything you touch will prosper god will make a difference as we see in chapter 9 as well while the plagues plagued the enemies of god the people of god because they believed they obeyed they were blessed protected and prosperous only in the land of goshen where the children of israel were there was no hell everywhere else the herbs every tree was broken it's devastating so you have livestock diseased and dying you have boils breaking out upon both man and beast now this frightening hail and lightning and thunder and within this verses 20 21 and 
God has mercy upon those Egyptians who decided to switch sides at least momentarily. Say, I'm going to fear the Lord. Moses said this. What did he say? What's the latest thing God said through a servant? I'm going to make sure I obey that. Because if God's pronouncing judgment, I know I've seen it enough. I'm going to do what I have to do. Tell my people, listen, we're going to do what God said. That's all. And if you don't, you're on your own. You're going to face the consequence. I've seen it. And Pharaoh sent and called for Moses and Aaron and said to them, I've sinned this time. So he finally confesses. I'm a sinner. I admit I was foolish because the consequences, I mean, nobody can deny it. I've sinned. The Lord is righteous. And my people and I are wicked. There's a confession from Pharaoh. It's a very important point to note here. But no repentance. How many people, believers, they want so badly for their loved ones to get saved and so badly to wish and have wishful thinking that maybe God is working, maybe He's working on His heart, her heart. Maybe they're turning to God. While there's clear defiance, no, they're not turning to God. When someone refuses to surrender to God, they're not turning to God. They're doing the opposite. You'll know the tree by its fruit. When do you know when they repented? Just like John the Baptist said to the Sadducees and Pharisees, you brood of vipers, who warned you to flee the wrath to come? You want to be accepted with God? You want to get baptized too? You want to follow Christ? You want to turn to the way of righteousness? Well, then show the fruit of your repentance. Let's see if your actions and behavior change. That's all, as simple as that. And how many people, God's working on his heart, her heart, what is she doing? Smoking and cussing and rebelling against the parents, what is he doing? Cheating and lying, violent. God's working on his heart, I can already see. Oh, and Tuesday night, you know what he said, what she said? I, I think God exists. Oh, hallelujah. They're going to get saved. They're so close, I just know it. And what else do they say? They actually confessed that they were wrong. Let's have the fireworks out. Let's celebrate. Pharaoh humbled himself to the point superficially to say, I have sinned. The Lord is righteous and my people and I are wicked. Not good enough, Pharaoh. Not good enough for any human being. Would you pray for me, please? He even went to the point. I like prayer. Let's get off of this delusion of wishful thinking and a man-made self-designed salvation where we try to help people and pump them up artificially. No, leave them alone. You've given them enough of the word. It's up to them. Don't go and try to produce something artificial that God's not a part of when the person is defying God. You can pray on your own, but don't go and pretend and make them pretend and feel comfortable that they did some great thing because they simply confessed they're sinners. God requires repentance. Prayer is not good enough either, unless there's faith behind it. This man had no faith. He just saw it. The heat is getting too hot over here. And temporarily, he said, I'm, I'm, I'm wrong. God's right. And would you pray for me, please? 
Entreat the Lord that there may be no more mighty thundering in hell, for it is enough. No, he's under pressure. He said, I don't want to be spanked anymore. It's hurting a lot. Please, can you tell God to stop? Still a rebellious child, but I confess I was a bad boy and I deserve spanking, but please tell him to stop. Would you pray for me? And I'll let you go. I won't bother you anymore. You should stay no longer. So Moses said to him, as soon as I've gone out of the city, I will spread out my hands to the Lord. The thunder will cease and there will be no more hail that you may know that the earth is the Lord's. God is establishing his supremacy. You don't mess with God. He's almighty. And when he opens a window of grace, jump on it immediately because it will close at one point. How fearful we should be of the Lord in a healthy way. Imagine being in this situation, even one play, can we tolerate it? It's the same God. But in His mercy and love and grace, He says, you don't have to have any plague. In fact, my desire for you is that you have a future and hope. I have plans to prosper you, not to hurt you, not to harm you. I want to prosper you and bless you. God wills that all men should come to repentance. His heart is so good. He wants every single member of the human race, every single one to enjoy His goodness and be blessed beyond measure. That's His heart. That's why He made man in His image. He treasures us. But what do people do? They trash themselves and they trash the mercy of God and go to the trickster, the huckster, the deceiver, the devil. And they destroy their bodies and other people's bodies and everything they touch. This pride infects it. The feeling of superiority themselves. False ego. And this is what Moses says. Oh, you want prayer? Okay. God's mercy is such that I will stop this. You confess your sinner? Well, the truth is, you and your servants, I know that you won't fear the Lord. So let's show. Imagine that, to hear that. Now the flax and the barley were struck, for the barley was in the head, and the flax was in bud. Everything was ready. Got cut off. They had their gods of harvest and gods of this and that. God says, when I step in, I will dismiss the demons that you are serving. Nothing will work. Why? Because they're not God. What are you doing? I am the Lord. You shall know that I am the Lord, God. I'm the one that will give you life. I'm the one who spared you all this time. But the weed and the spelt were not struck, for they were late crops. Again we see the mercy of God, and yet he's building up Pharaoh for the slaughter. Because what happened here, the next plague, will take care of whatever was left. God is tightening everything. How long will the tightening take for us to surrender to God? For our people to surrender to God? So Moses went out of the city from Pharaoh and spread out his hands to the Lord. Then the thunder and the hail ceased and the rain was not poured on the earth. And when Pharaoh saw that the rain, the hail, and the rumbling, the thunder had ceased. Oh, it's calm. At peace again. I can go to the beach and Read a nice book. I don't care about God. It's about me. I can cook. I can't wait for a delicious meal. The next outing, the next bonus, the next material good that I'm going to get. My heart is full of this. 
Who's the Lord? And I will oppress anybody I want to. You can't do that to me. You can't defy me. I will make people suffer. The selfish, foolish, wicked heart. He sinned yet more. He confessed. But did he repent? No. What did he do? On the contrary, he sinned even more. He hardened his heart. No wonder God cut him to pieces, his army and everything. How wicked. You're dealing with Almighty God. And he hardened his heart, he and his servants. So the heart of Pharaoh was hard. Neither would he let the children of Israel go, as the Lord had spoken by Moses. God willing, next time we'll see this eighth plague of locusts until it culminated to the tenth plague. It was too much for Pharaoh at that point because death came right into his house. And the people urged him. They said, this man is mad. We can see clearly we're no match for Moses and Aaron and their God. Even after he let them go, what did he do? He pursued them up to the Red Sea. God tore them apart right there. No more Pharaoh. No more devil harassing his people. The people came out on the other side rejoicing with tambourines. Ready to go into the promised land. How great our God is. How awesome he is. The Lord is known by his judgments. On the one hand, his terrifying power against the devil and all people who worship the devil and defy God. Because God is a just God. He's a holy God. He's a righteous God. He won't let evil continue in his universe. Especially the harassment of his people. He's a good father. A good, good, good father. Thrice holy God. And he has a heart full of unbounded blessings. Not simply in wishes and well wishes, but he lavishes practically. Has he not done that for us? Has he not rescued us from death? How many times? How many times? Too many times to be able to count. Has he not surprised us so many times? Who was like unto the Lord our God? Just when we felt crummy and guilty and felt so bad that we lost temper. So bad that we did someone wrong. So bad that we didn't Stay faithful to the Lord and other things crowded in and crowded out. God's rightful number one position in our hearts. We neglected the word of the Lord, neglected prayer. The devil is ready to drive us down into the ground. God shows up and says, Come to me. Let the little children come to me and don't forbid them. My people, come back to me. As he said to the church in Ephesus, you've left your first love now. Come back. Haven't we found that the Lord is more gracious than any other person we've ever met, never could meet? That whereas his judgments are fierce against evil because he has to stop evil. He's a just holy God, righteous God. His mercy endures forever. Mercy is new every morning. 
were alive and breathing, able to hear the word of God this morning. Of all the people on the earth, we are his special treasure. Who? All of us on the call who fear the Lord, who love the Lord. And all Christians everywhere, the majority of whom we've never met or heard of, everyone in every part of the world that fears the Lord, they are banqueting at the table of the Lord with the word of the Lord. A special people. We're most privileged. We're called to endear ourselves, to entrust ourselves and surrender to the Lord in every area of our lives and love the Lord our God with all our heart, with all our strength, with all our soul so that we can be found of Him on that day to be faithful, to be ready for what Peter says in his epistle, an abundant entry. An abundant entry. A glorious triumph passing into the kingdom of heaven. Great triumph. And on earth, while we pass the time of our sojourning here, it has to be in the fear of the Lord and to see what can I do with the breath God gave me? How can I serve Him? The hands, the fingers that the Lord has given me, my feet, how can I bless the Lord? How can I be blessed to be able to bless the Lord, to be able to bless people? Pharaoh was self-centered, just like Satan. We need to be like Jesus, give ourselves away to meet the needs of other people. It's a constant struggle for some Christians because they've never surrendered. They hear the message and there's a little surrender here, a little there, but never, Lord, take my life and let it be consecrated to Thee. Lord, what do you want me to do, Lord? How much money do I have in the bank? How much assets? How much pension? How much property? Are they being used for God's glory? If so, how? And if not, why not? Doesn't it belong to God? Have I ever consulted the Lord or do I make decisions and say, Lord, bless my plans? With the breath that He's given me, the intellect, the ability, the creativity, the special skill set, the talent, the treasure, and the time. Everyone will be called to account on that day. We have the privilege of representing God. We have the privilege of having the fruit of the Spirit and the power of the Spirit to show Jesus to this world. God has spared us from plagues. He has by sheer mercy and grace. We have to be so thankful and say, Lord, I'm going to live differently. As a Christian, as a follower of Jesus Christ, I'm going to deny myself, learn what it means and do it. Take up my cross, what God has for me, and to do is will follow Him. I close with this verse from John 8, 12. I am the light of the world. He that follows me shall never walk in darkness but will have the light of life. The ninth plague we'll see as we continue. There's a darkness to such an extent that it could be felt. There's spiritual darkness also in this world, but the people in the land of Goshen, the people of God, had had, they had light. They were brightened up with the glory of God. God gave the light. They had physical light and they had spiritual light. So we ought to shine that light in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation and generation. To God be the glory. He's the God of Israel. He's my God. He's your God. 
We need to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus, our minds stayed on the Lord, and then, according to Isaiah, we'll have perfect peace. Divine protection. Divine prosperity. The plagues will be upon the earth. God will protect us. Give us His peace and prosper us. Hallelujah. If anybody would like to pray, if the Lord spoken to you, you can go to pray.